This is No Starving Artist Podcast. You deserve a successful creative life. I'm Anissa Benitez, a marketing expert at top companies and creative journeyer. I'm here to support your creative wellness, financially, mentally, and spiritually. Share with me your questions and I'll share perspective. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is about not striving to be a good person, but just to do good things. We're now in an era where perception of being a good person is such a driving force for so many people. Because being canceled, shamed, judged, and otherwise carries so much weight. We see how we're in a punitive system. There's cancel culture. There's people losing jobs over statements they've made many years ago. In this very punitive time, it's because of a lack of empathy. There's lots of fear around being perceived as a bad person. But being perceived as a bad person it might be the reason we're driving away from sharing truth or speaking out or being honest, vocal, activists, etc. So this episode is to support realignment with our principles, with your principles and values, and I'll share my experience as I'm the best use case that I know. Our agenda for today's episode is first, personal update from me on my last week, two, actually diving into being a good person versus doing good things, and last but not least, a culture wreck definitely one to stay tuned for. As always, would love to hear your creative journeys. I'm not going to stress it too much. I even considered having people, you know, plugging for you people to share. And I know it's intimidating going first and sharing anything, but I want this to be more of an open forum for you to share things as I'm not interested in being an, an authority figure, but just a fellow creative journeyer sharing my experiences and learnings along the way. Uh, if you're interested in leaving a message around challenges you've been facing revelations you've been facing etc um leave a voicemail at anchor.fm backslash no starving artist backslash message the link is included in the show notes as always if you've been enjoying this podcast please would love to help the podcast grow by leaving a review telling a friend or sharing it on social and let's get into it Over the weekend, I played a villain, which was so satisfying in my first short indie film yet. I was cast as the lead, who is a dynamic character, not just a villain, as every villain had a starting point, an origin story, where society or someone wronged them, and that bitterness stayed with them, and they acted in not kind ways therefore being deemed maybe as a villain but I have so much empathy for these types of characters and I've been wanting to play them for a while well how can I say a while the last few months and the realization that I'm an actor and I want to pursue this quite seriously and with that it was just such a positive experience being on set in a collaborative environment with these different creatives and everyone having totally their expertise their sense of ownership the makeup artist does a specific job that can't be done by the director that can't be done by 
the lighting technician. It can't be done by other people. And so I was really grateful to be there as a contributor, as an actor. And it was also very satisfying to be a little expressive of more demonic sides of my personality. And I think all human beings have range. We have so much expression and range of expression but a lot of it is not societally acceptable and so we tuck it away and we feel shame for it and some of that shame is justifiably so um and some of it is completely silly and um but it's always rooted in something and for me it became clear to me that a lot of the shame that I feel towards my sides is rooting rooted in childhood upbringing is rooted in growing up in an environment where anger and frustration were not accepted. It was my mom's 66th birthday. And me, my mom and brother spent the day just doing kind of tedious moving stuff for her as she's planning to make a big chapter change and move to Mexico and supporting her and clearing out old stuff and Family days, you know, they can go many different directions. I was, I always look forward to spending time with my family. I love them very dearly. But in our time together, it became very clear to me that a lot of patterns of our behavior and interactions with each other is just so historic. And I don't know if you experienced that with your family where you're like, wow. Many years later, it's still a lot of childhood things coming up and dynamics that haven't actually resolved or developed. And my frustration was really felt by the end of the day where I definitely got into a fight with both um, my mom and brother around their um, demonizing me in many ways, feeling shamed for expressing frustration with them or anger for them. And they say... I don't know why you treat us this way as like a person that you hate um, and my feeling misunderstood because my expression of anger and frustration doesn't come from a place of hate. It comes from a place of love and caring and I'm a very passionate person and so if I feel like people are not taking care of themselves then I want to jump in and support them and I have advice hence why I have this podcast and do so many things that are focused on empowering people but that sense of wanting to control and that kind of like burning desire can totally be misinterpreted and by them misinterpreted as me being hateful or angry or villain or so many things versus me being loving and caring and deeply passionate and committed to helping and empowering them in points of depression and other things. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that at the end of the day, I've become more comfortable and aware of their perceptions not being something that I can control, but the way that I communicate, my actions, all that being something I can control. We are so powerful and we do have room for ownership over every single action that we do in the world. We have ownership over our internal thinking, but we don't have control around people's feelings or how they perceive us. And for much of my life, I definitely felt like a bad person. I thought I was a not good person, especially relative to people who are very empathetic in my life 
people who are extremely patient in my life, who are going into social work and being teachers and doing good things. And I was like, uh, I'm a bad person because I'm going down in another avenue. And finally, yeah, I've gone to the point where I'm not really, you know, it's obviously disappointing when your family and loved ones are so hurt by you. But it's also, I'm so grateful that I'm the person that I am. And I've kind of come to peace with more so of, yeah, just accepting that we can't control people's perceptions of us, even our family, even the people that are closest to us, that we always feel carry our biggest, they're our biggest mirrors, right? And the closer person is to you, the bigger of a mirror they feel. And so what they reflect back on you is a way that you'll perceive yourself. And that's the greatest reason to spend alone time if you can extract yourself from family, extract yourself from friends every so often, extract yourself from your children to get a better sense and alignment of you, your values, your sense of self, and really ground. And I felt that after this weekend, what I could do in noticing, yes, I do tend to get frustrated um, with being misunderstood or misinterpreted. My brother was like summarizing something I said and he summarized it in a way that was very dismissive, but I could have responded with more patience and I didn't. I was like, that was very dismissive. And my directness and my sense of always honoring truth is something I love about myself, but I think I can take a breath and I can be more patient. And I'm always working on my anger management and being more kind and compassionate, even if some people can, you know, perceive me very well and are very unbothered by me. There's always going to be people who aren't, and I want to, you know, try to be my best self on a regular basis. So I ended up winding down the night after family time and being like, that was so irritating by watching a Mel Robbins YouTube video around managing frustration. And she gave some really valid pointers around maybe sometimes it's because somebody's crossing your boundaries or it's because somebody doesn't feel that they are powerful and they feel helpless in a situation. Or maybe you just need to take a deep breath and build up your level of patience. And I felt felt like those pointers were really helpful for me. And one of the things that we can always do is always, yes, take ownership for our actions, take ownership for the way that we communicate and get advice and get guidance on how to do better. And that's what I spent the night doing. And after doing that, I thought about it. And I felt like this topic is really worth exploring because not only do we put so much energy on crafting ourselves to be perceived as good people but by maybe moving in the direction of wanting to appeal to the people who are the mirrors closest to us we lose so much of ourselves so much of our uniqueness our principalities and can move away from just honoring the best expression of who we can be if we are constantly moving to adhere to be loved to be liked then we're not necessarily honoring what makes us unique and particularly useful, compelling, and special in the world. And the ways that we can all help the world are unique as we are unique. So 
I want to spend the next segment diving into the topic of actually being good versus doing good. As some of you know, I founded More By Her, a platform to dismantle the starving artist stigma. Each week, we share a new story of creative women shaping culture on Wednesdays, Wisdom Drop Wednesdays, for those who identify as women, non-binary, she, her, they, them, thriving artists who are willing to give transparency on their creative journey and how they do it. Follow us at morebyher.com or on Instagram at more underscore by underscore her. My source for this segment is from nowthinkaboutit.com and the title of the article is called The Difference Between Being and Doing Good. It took a lot of digging to find something that was worthwhile and I really found this article, though the site is a little not very pretty. The content here is very powerful. And so we're going to explore the origins of how we become people who want to be good and how that is influenced by authority figures, the norm, as well as comparing being to doing good. And ultimately, the aim is to examine within ourselves when we're moving towards being perceived as good rather than just doing good. So it starts off and this article says, from the minute we're born, we're told what is good, shown how to perform it, commanded to live it, and disciplined if we don't. Consequently, each of us grows up with a sense of what is good, and most importantly, we how we measure up. Usually our self-assessment is heavily influenced by several factors, one of which being attitudes of authority figures, two, how we compare to peers, three, how we're accepted by the norm, and four, if we get caught, and then last but not least, um, if that perspective is disordered. So first, when it comes to the attitude of authority figures, like in my experience with my parents or family, it's very common that parents, teachers, people that we admire, look up to, will be somewhat disciplining towards certain tendencies over others. And we want positive encouragement from them. Maybe it's conscious, maybe it's subconscious, but it fosters our sense of confidence when we feel we are being accepted by them. It makes us feel safe and it makes us feel normal and like there's not much to worry about because the authority has affirmed us. Um, Whoever that authority is for you, whoever it was growing up, maybe it was grandparents, maybe it was somebody wider than that. But authority figures that are constantly critical of us can definitely leave us with a feeling of hopelessness can I ever be good enough? And it can definitely develop into spending lifelong patterns trying to seek the affirmation of those and the encouragement of those who we saw as authority and haven't released as authority in our lives. We develop um, during this nurturing period 
but it doesn't give us an accurate sense of what's good and bad. It gives us a sense of what those authority figures deem as good and bad. Number two, how we compare to peers. For instance, if we are feeling better than others, it can seem that we, we think we are better. We can get into a mindset of thinking maybe because I'm more highly regarded than this person, I must be good, or compared to the others around me, I must be bad, and it's this relativity that we are basing our self-worth off of, basing our goodness off of. We want to be better, and if we are better than others in this kind of competitive way, then we assume that we are good. Three, accepting the norm. Here it says, of course, everyone is doing the wrong thing. Gossiping, fudging on income taxes, little white lies. Without being challenged, it becomes a neutral issue. We feel normal, not wrong for doing these things. They cease to become critical issues of self-assessment. And that is totally a thing that arises and I see hugely in society. It's always interesting in the U.S. to see who is regarded as taking advantage of um, government assistance, for instance. It's usually seemed that people in low-income levels are people who are taking advantage of the income system, but the reality is uh, the people who are most benefiting from income assistance are the rich, people who get billions of dollars in tax breaks, major corporations, etc., have been the biggest benefiters from the income system. But because it's not accepted in the morning, because we create societal stigmas around certain groups, certain behaviors, then those are deemed as not good. And so it's not necessarily based on any truth or it's kind of averaged or what slides under the radar and what's accepted by the norm. So that can be kind of an interesting thing. And then... Fourth, we assess our goodness on if we get caught or not. So a lot of people do things in private and they feel good because they are outwardly continually perceived as good. Here in the article it says, when a person habitually does the wrong thing, they eventually become insensitive to it until someone says, you're wrong which I've seen definitely time and time again. And so that getting caught thing might come from law enforcement. It might come from a significant other. Maybe that person's um, cheating on them. Or it might come from uh, some other circumstances. Maybe you're forging something or you're taking someone's art and crediting as your own or something along those lines. And we can easily forget our boundaries are but those authorities those things that insert themselves they never let us forget and so a lot of people's sense of their good and bad comes from those kind of getting caught moments that getting caught that punitive system um, we see it a lot on social media it's very pervasive there with the cancel culture or the re-earthing of former statements of different people. We see it in the ways that governments operate and how prisoners or ex-convicts are treated. 
in society and not getting the ability to vote, etc. And that can definitely continue to sit on someone's psyche and make them feel a sense of they are good or bad. So this is a huge factor. And then perspective just generally being disordered last but not least. All of these factors in combinations and different levels and with other factors taken into consideration, the overarching theme is that it affects our perception. It, it Good is not an absolute measure. It is perception-oriented often and we are measuring ourselves against people and against circumstances and not against principle not against our principles which are most important how we feel when you fall asleep at night really truly after assessing your day and actions that you've committed words you've said how do you really feel the truth is no one can feel good in an absolute sense because we are human beings there's always going to be room for improvement and despite how I felt, even with my family and the ways that I acted and the ways that I feel like I'm honored, I spoke my truth, blah, 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 I still came home, felt guilt, and did feel shame arise and still watched that Mel Robbins, got the useful advice and said, I can do better because there's always room to improve. And that's what I love about human beings is we continually have something to strive for. We continually have room to grow. That's the beauty of being alive. Everything that's living is expanding, it's changing, it's growing. That's the beauty of nature. And trees always grew, growing deeper roots and expanding wider and losing their leaves. Uh, we are so connected to everything else that's around us. And so that's a beautiful thing. What I like about the rest of this article from Now Think About It is it goes into an uh, exploration of the Bible, which I'm learning more about. And there's always... Yeah, just a lot of age-old wisdom there. And it says that goodness is a state of being. Our ability to be good within ourselves falls short of the ultimate good. It's always a relative measurement. Both the Bible and observations verify this truth. They give a number of observations in this article, and one of which being even Mother Teresa found herself doubting the existence of heaven or even God often. She admitted this every time she went into confessions, for instance, it says. And unfortunately, only level of goodness that God will ever accept is apparently absolute, not relative. And none of us can claim that. Apparently, only Jesus was good. <laughs> and human beings are not gods. We are more alike to nature. And so I like how the rest of this article goes into some fun comparisons between doing good and being good. They say, here's why the Bible dispels the idea of being good, but encourages a do-good approach to life. One, being good focuses on the self. It's about the way we look, self-glorification. Doing good focuses on others. I'm trying to be helpful. Two, being good to self-qualify is useless. It doesn't work. You can never be good enough. Doing good means, as a means of assisting others has a positive and useful outcome. It works. Three, being good is repelling 
we give the impression of being superior, not just good. Doing good draws others to us. We become more approachable. And four, last but not least, being good is an expression of pride. Doing good is an expression of compassion. So being and doing good are very different issues. The inability to accomplish one, being good, will never be an excuse for the other, really doing and really showing up. So since being good is an impossibility, um, then we should really focus on the human thing that is attainable, which is doing good. And doing good makes you a more tolerable person, more compassionate person, makes you a growing person, an expanding individual. And that is something that's beautiful and to be honored and reveled, celebrated. And that's all we can be in this lifetime. Dave Chappelle, the American comedian, actor, human that I admire so much, says, the world can't tell you who you are. You've just got to figure out who you are and be there for better or for worse. Our culture wreck is a fresh one. It just came out this week on Netflix on the third season of My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman. He interviews Dave Chappelle. This season has a whole bunch of other celebrity guests, but uh, the episode with Dave Chappelle, I mean, I love Dave Chappelle's as a leader who doesn't regard himself as a leader because of humility. And he also points out in this episode quite explicitly, he's like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, like all these people died penniless. So I don't want to be that. All I want to do is um, live my life and be able to speak truth and people can create their own perceptions around who I am, who they deem me as. And yeah, just, I highly recommend watching the episode itself. If you're interested in getting a little bit of a teaser around it, there's a complex article that's out and it's called Watch Dave Chappelle and David Letterman Discuss the Black Lives Matter Movement. And there's many clips probably circulated all online because Dave Chappelle was one of the first to speak after George Floyd's murder in the U.S. Um, in, I guess, June now, um, which really then surged the new wave of allyship around Black Lives Matter. He was one of the first people, publicly, celebrities especially, to talk about how it felt from a non-intellectual perspective, was able to voice how it felt to watch someone be murdered how tragic, and really just like dove into the emotions of that experience and for that was deemed prolific by others. And I appreciate the way that he continues to voice the importance of community and continuing to work to expand yourself, etc. He says it's just as far as change and making positive change and this world, he can't make any predictions. He said, yes, I'm hopeful. Yes, there will be real change. But traditionally, just from my experience, change is never a comfortable proposition. It's uncomfortable before it gets comfortable again. And that's growth. 
that's doing good, it never comes with a, a high five. It comes with a mix. It comes with a mix. And so I hope that this episode felt uh, affirming for you if you've been struggling at all with, am I doing enough? Am I a good person? Am I moving things forward? Am I getting approval in the ways that I should be in? And it's okay to not be perceived as good. As we continue to do good, we continue to serve others, we continue to expand our room for compassion, we continue to grow, we continue to evaluate ways that we can continue to expand and show up more largely in support, then that's doing a lot of good. And sustaining doing good is quite a forever challenge that comes with a lot of discomfort and you're not alone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. So grateful to be on this creative journey with you. You can find me at Anisa Benitez on Instagram. Follow the wisdom of many thriving creative women and non-binary people at morebyher.com. You are no starving artist. I'm grateful to be learning and doing good, trying to, you know, it's a battle, uh, but growing with you. I appreciate you.